It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on a Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Scott Foster in here with you as we preview some of the upcoming attractions here on our on the Rural Radio Network. Lots going on. We started off with Susan Littlefield. Good morning to you, Susan. And uh, wind's not blowing quite as hard today. That's good. No, it's not. But I tell you, we are hoping for some sort of precipitation. Mm. Isn't that amazing how we can go from it's always uh, always too much to now all of a sudden not enough? Exactly, except for the folks that are along the Missouri River. Yes. Um, I was watching a, a news friend of mine do a report and the levees are holding, knock on wood, but it's definitely a concern to the eastern part of the state once again. Well, I know in northeast Nebraska they were saying that the Elkhorn is bank high too, so it's all coming from you know that area. Mm, it is. What a mess. So what do you got for us today, Susan? Well, coming up we're going to talk about more FSA deadlines and also the fact that the Farm Service Agency does have um, producers' fall application information coming up. We'll give you more details about that with Bobby Criswick. And then Shaley Peters steps in over the 1245. Kansas State University is going to hold, host a Beef Stalker Field Day. That takes place tomorrow. But when you're talking about that, you also got to start thinking about what you're going to do for this calving season and some benchmarks that you need to look at. And speaking of beef, if you haven't talked about it already, mm-hmm. it is National Cheeseburger Day. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. That's and so... Chef Gavin's going to join me as we talk with Certified Angus Beef about cheeseburgers and some really cool grilling tips that I think some grill masters might need to learn. So that's coming up at 117. All right. Very good. I appreciate it, Susan. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen, and uh, it might be National Cheeseburger Day, but we got a pretty good volleyball game on its way, too. Lincoln, Nebraska will be the epicenter of college volleyball tonight as number one Nebraska takes on number two Stanford. They flip-flopped just recently, so it'll be, it, it should be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I bet they'll fill all the seats tonight. Bet you they will, too. <laughs> Probably a record crowd there for volleyball since they revamped the Devaney Center. We will... Get the thoughts of Coach John Cook about this. Of course, uh, and he's right, uh, even though you, you try to play the revenge angle here, this is almost, there's a lot of new pieces yeah, for Nebraska, yeah. whereas Stanford returns most of that team. And, of course, there were the hard feelings last year over what they had written on the dry erase board, which I always thought that was overdone yeah it really was but they have stanford has apologized and are going to do community work or something yeah i know i know i know i know yeah Yeah. so uh matches at seven uh we'll have the match tonight here on 880 krv also you can watch that on the big 10 network also speaking of volleyball we'll talk about unk's lindsey nottman their new libero she is the miwa specialist of the week She's been playing very, very well for the Lopers, and we'll talk some K-State football. They're 3-0 going into their bye. All right, very good. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks down again today. Yes, uh, stocks broadly lower in trading on Wall Street ahead of a highly anticipated decision today from the Federal Reserve on interest rates. Maybe they'll just uh, throw everybody a curveball and say, no, we're not going to do anything today. Okay, that seems like what they've probably. Probably not, Probably but not. anyway, Fed is expected to cut its benchmark interest rate for a second time this year. Meanwhile, the pace of U.S. home construction jumped last month to a 12-year high, and uh, union and company bargainers are making progress toward a new contract as that strike by the UAW brought a number of General Motors factories to a halt. Those stories and more 
today. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. That's all coming up. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and all over the world, an active weather pattern around the world. Not so much right here uh, when the biggest thing that we notice is that, hey, it's not quite as windy today. <laughs> that's, that's kind of nice. Otherwise, uh, that's really the major difference going on. We, we could see a chance of a few thunderstorms pop up as time goes on but probably not going to be a major factor it appears that our next decent chance of rain looks like friday night as a cold front is forecast to sweep through the final and finally introduce drier and cooler air associated with a much stronger and deeper trough than the one that is tracking across the northern plains today Although specifics are difficult as numerical model forecasts uh, diverge, it does appear we will get truly cooler and drier air as high, highs eventually fall into the 70s toward the end of a long-term forecast. We could have another shot of some rain, especially late Saturday night, and we'll continue to be in an active pattern. But we are consistently forecasting a completely dry period for Sunday night and into Monday. Let's go ahead and take a look at our uh, very active DTN ag weather forecast. And it's again calling for above to much above normal temperatures to favor corn and soybean development, which continues to run well behind normal in most areas. Episodes of scattered showers and thunderstorms will favor filling crops. An active pattern will set up a gen set up generally from the northern and central plains into the upper Midwest Great Lakes area this week into early next week, bringing periods of heavy rain. There are no signs at this point of significant cold for at least the next 10 days. In the northern plains, periods of showers and thunderstorms in the next five days will bring some new flood threats Rain favors filling crops. Episodes of wet weather will continue to slow the harvest of spring wheat. Above to much above temperatures favor corn and soybean development, which is running well behind normal in most areas. There is no sign of damaging cold for the next at least 10 days, although it may trend closer to normal after the next few days. Temperatures remain mild for late planted corn development. Tropical Depression Amelda with 30 mile per hour winds and 40 miles 40 miles north northwest of Houston at 4 a.m. on Wednesday. This is a storm as it has made landfall. It is expected to weaken further as it moves northward through East Texas. Heavy rain are the main concerns leading to severe flooding in East Texas and possible westernmost Louisiana. Now Hurricane Humberto with 115 miles per hour winds is located 285 miles west of Bermuda. This system is moving toward the east-northeast at 16. Humberto will pass northwest and north of Bermuda on Wednesday, and it should turn a little more to the north and then back to the east and northeast again. Then we have another one, Tropical Storm Jerry. <laughs> Just Jerry. Light A with 45 mile per hour winds. With, uh, was located 960 miles east of the Leeward Islands in the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, it's moving towards the west-northwest. In the central and southern plains, uh, more rain would benefit winter wheat planting in some 
western areas, weed planting has begun in uh, Colorado and Nebraska. Scattered thunderstorms later in the five-day period and early in the six- to ten-day period will maintain more favorable conditions for wheat in eastern locations and possibly in some southern locations. Heavy organized rain is expected to focus across eastern Texas and uh, through the week with a significant rainfall and flooding a major concern, particularly across Houston areas Wednesday and Thursday. In the Canadian prairies, temperatures average above to near normal during the next 7 to 10 days will favor late development of canola. Somewhat colder temperatures may develop beyond 10 days, but this is still uncertain. What weather, especially in eastern areas during the next five days, will be unfavorable for early maturing grains and will slow harvest progress in uh, at least somewhat. Brazil crop areas continue with a dry and hot pattern throughout this week, delaying soybean planting. The weather is currently dry and extremely hot over Mato Grosso. High temperatures of 105 degrees or higher have been reported. There, there does not appear to be a break in this pattern within the next seven days, possibly longer, and it's unlikely that farmers would plant under these conditions. So lots of things going on. We have a hurricane and a couple uh, tropical storms uh, to watch for that will affect agriculture throughout the world here in the next few days. For weather at any time, remember, you can go to krvn.com. More information coming from the FSA as we continue to work towards harvest. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Bobby Chris Wickham is a public affairs outreach coordinator for the Nebraska State Office of the USDA's Farm Service Agency. She talks about programs producers still have the opportunity to apply for. For the livestock indemnity program, uh, for folks that had losses, you know, they had that original 30 days to get us their notice of loss. And then now they have all the way into March of 2020 to kind of complete that whole process and give us the documentation they need to get paid. And so we do have producers that are coming in doing that stage of the process um, and getting those payments out the door. And, of course, enrollment has started when it comes to ARC and PLC um, with the Farm Bill Safety Net for this year. Uh, Yes, exactly. The uh, 2018 Farm Bill continued the ag risk coverage and price loss coverage programs. And, you know, those are our main kind of income support programs or safety net programs for our uh, commodity crops, main commodity crops in Nebraska. Um, And we did announce uh, the opportunity for enrollment and election uh, for the 2019 year. Um, We started that on September 3rd. But that enrollment election process for 2019 really will go through to March 15th of 2020. So we've got uh, quite a bit of a window there for producers to come in and uh, make those elections and get enrolled for the 2019 year. And then actually 2020 enrollment will start in October and go through through to June. So again, a big window for, for the upcoming year that will start in October. Um, I guess the thing that I would point out to producers and those that are going to participate in ARC PLC, um, because there's some enrollment time, I would encourage them to 
take a look at um, the information that's available online regarding those two programs. Much of the main structure of both ARC and PLC really were retained from the twenty from the 2014 Farm Bill to the 2018 Bill. There were a few changes, though, and we do have some great resources available um, to help uh, provide some initial education on those programs. But again, those important deadlines are quickly looming, so to keep that line of communication open, get in there, get your appointments made, and, and get the paperwork mm-hmm. taken care of. Make an appointment. Our offices are you know, open for business and, and ready to, to take applications. Um, again, you know, for folks who, who maybe want to learn a little bit more, we also are planning producer education sessions on ARC PLC uh, in conjunction with uh, Nebraska Extension. We're planning those sessions actually for late November, early December, uh, kind of in 28 locations across Nebraska. Um, we wanted to give producers some time to get through their fall chores, maybe, and, and obviously harvest. So we pushed those back a little bit, and we will be doing those um, across the state and announcing those times, dates, and locations here uh, in the coming months. So that will provide another opportunity for producers to maybe learn more about our PLC before they make their enrollment um, and elections for 2019 and 2020. As always, the Nebraska Farm Service Agency website has this important information um, for these upcoming deadlines on the front page, and that can be accessed at fsa.usda.gov slash ne. Those comments coming from Bobby Chris Wickham. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at sports. Jason Jorgensen in the studio with me here today, and... Uh, my goodness, a big volleyball. You said the center of the college volleyball universe in Lincoln tonight. That was good. I like that. Well, it figures to be one of the marquee matchups of the year. Top-ranked Nebraska mm-hmm. hosts second-ranked Stanford. Uh, this, of course, is a rematch of last year's national title championship match that Stanford won in five sets. And head coach John Cook has this preview. It feels much different because we have a different team. Their, t- their team is pretty much the same team except for one player. I'm just, uh, you know, looking forward to the opportunity for our team to be able to play against them, to, to, uh, for us to see where we're at and how hard we have to compete and how clean a volleyball we have to play if we want to play with the best. Stanford just saw its 37-match winning streak come to an end as they fell to Minnesota over the weekend. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad omen for yeah. Nebraska. I didn't go and look when the last time Stanford lost two in a row was. That's mm. probably a while back. First serve tonight is set for 7. We will have the match for you here on 880-KRVN. K-State football team is 3-0 and after that big road win on Saturday, knocking off 23rd-ranked Mississippi State 31-24. to Heading to the first of two bye weeks this year, head coach Chris Kleiman talks about his team's priorities. You know, we'll spend more time on Oklahoma State just because we have, you know, that's the next game in front of us, and we have at least some film on those guys, and, you know, they haven't, had the most competitive games in the non-conference, but there's still some things we can work on. So, you know, that's probably where our focus will go after we work on ourselves. A 3-0 start has brought the Wildcats a little notoriety. They're ranked 25th in the coaches' poll, 26th in the AP. Early on, you'd have to say Chris Kleiman is an early candidate to be coach of the year. You know, I bet if we could start a really good uh, argument in Kansas if we ask who Kleiman or Les Miles was doing a better job right now. Yeah, Les had that big win yeah. last week at Boston College. 
UNK's Lindsay Nottleman was selected as the MIAA Volleyball Specialist of the Week after averaging six digs per set. Sixth-ranked UNK beat York College on Tuesday and then won the Rosella Meyer Fall Classic in Kearney. The sophomore libero from Lincoln Pius talks about the busy week that led to that award. Yeah, this last week has been a lot, but my coaches and my other teammates have really just been pushing me to, like, step up and be a leader in the back row. And I think that, like, playing that many games has given me the opportunity to show, like, that I'm starting to take leadership back there and that I have other people pushing me to do better, and that's helping me succeed in that. She had big shoes to fill. Of course, she had to replace All-American uh, Ellie McDonald, the leader in digs in school history. On Saturday night, UNK beat then 17th-ranked Rockhurst in four sets. Nottleman had 35 digs in that wow. win, just five away from tying the school record. The Lopers will be on the road this weekend. They'll start MIAA action Friday at Emporia State, then big matchup on Saturday against Washburn. Certainly not afraid to get on the floor, is she? Nope. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgens. Thanks a lot, Jason. A judge has terminated the parental rights of the mother and father of twin baby boys abandoned at a Kearney hospital in February. The rights of the unknown parents were terminated this week. The boys were born February 2nd. Their mother left the hospital two days later, and officials have said she provided false information when she was admitted. The state safe haven law says parents won't be prosecuted for abandonment if they turn over children 30 days old or younger at a hospital. A state caseworker testified at the rights hearing that she'd failed on several attempts to find the parents. Judge Jerry Jorgensen says the twins, identified in court records as Tyler and Andrew, will remain in state custody in foster care until an adoption process begins. The National Transportation Safety Board says a South Dakota pilot who died in a single-engine plane crash along with his teenage son should not have had a passenger. According to a preliminary NTSB report, 39-year-old Clint Vanderway was certified only as a student pilot. Under federal aviation regulations, Vanderway was prohibited from being a pilot in command of a plane carrying a passenger. Vanderway and his 16-year-old son Jed were killed September 8th when their Cessna 140 crashed in Prairie near the family's farm near the Nebraska border. The NTSB says Vanderway took off from his private airstrip. Family members said Vanderway, who ran an irrigation service, would fly over water towers to report the water level to farmers. The preliminary report found no mechanical problems with the plane before the crash. A suburban Kansas City man who began vaping in high school and now suffers respiratory problems has sued a leading e-cigarette maker, alleging that it fraudulently concealed the addictive nature of its products. Isaac Gant of Johnson County, Kansas, filed the lawsuit this week in federal court in Kansas City, Kansas. And Kansas City International Airport officials are warning travelers to give themselves more time to get to their destinations. The airport authority announced that construction on a new terminal will slow traffic. Vehicle traffic between terminals B and C will be reduced to one lane, and the road that allows motorists to return to a terminal will be closed. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. 
Beef is the topic of discussion during this midday segment today. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to first talk about calving season benchmarking and find out a little bit more about that. We'll follow it up by KSU's Beef Stocker Field Day. It's coming up and get some more information on that. As far as calving season benchmarking, though, cow-calf producers have plenty to gain by condensing the calving season as much as possible. First, though, a producer needs to have an account of their calving distribution. And a K-State beef reproduction specialist recently discovered something important about that. Sandy Johnson says that when calculating calving distribution, a couple of benchmarks have typically been used. You know, years ago when... Uh, they were working on the standardized performance analysis or, or SPA. The whole reason was to standardize our calculations. And so when it came to calving distribution, the two accepted SPA definitions for, you know, when do you start calculating the first day of the calving season, one of the definitions is to start after the third mature cow calves. So you can have a couple early calves and you don't, start counting then, but after the third mature cow calves, that would be your first day. The cow has a 21-day estrus cycle on average, so we look at those in 21-day intervals. The other method, if we knew the bull turnout date, was to use 285 days after bull turnout. Recently applying those to cow herd production data from the USDA Meat Animal Research Center near a clay center, Johnson discovered that these two starting points for figuring calving distribution rendered different results. I had always assumed that I would get fairly similar answers, but I had not compared them. And so when I went through that process, then I found that there was a fair amount of difference in the data I had in front of me between those two methods in the actual proportion that calved in the first 21 days. And sometimes that uh, difference could be quite large, and other times it was not quite as large, but certainly notably different. So Johnson has come to the conclusion that starting that calving tally after the third mature cow is calved may be more representative of actual calving distribution. I often show the CHAPS database out of North Dakota State as a comparison because it's a good one that's readily available. And they're essentially using the starting after the third mature cow calves, and that shows about 60% that calved the first 21 days, whereas these herds from Clay Center, who, again, I think are probably well-managed with good nutrition, averaged anywhere between 48 and 55 percent. So the way that we calculate that is, is very important. Again, hearing there from K-State Beef Reproduction Specialist Sandy Johnson on evaluating the calving distribution of a beef cow herd. And we now are going to turn our attention to the 20th anniversary of the Kansas State University Beef Stocker Field Day. It's happening tomorrow. The event is once again hosted by K-State at the Beef Stocker Unit and will be joined by industry experts on topics ranging from health management of high-risk calves humane practices, beef cattle market outlook, and a panel discussion on beef parasite control. K-State beef cattle specialist Dale Blasey discusses having K-State ag economist Glenn Tonzer present at this field day and what value his presentation can bring to producers. 
the field day that we're going to have on the 19th, one of the bulwarks, if you will, of the program is is having a strong uh, ag economist on the program. And Dr. Glenn Tonzer this year is providing some insight in terms of the current situation in our industry, the very recent fire at Holcomb, that the ripples of that impact across our industry. But just to give a good general overview in terms of existing trade agreements, those trade agreements are being in development. I think he brings a very good perspective to our producers and speaks in a very understandable means by which people understand what he's trying to convey. Blossy walks us through the agenda for this event. I've got Dr. Dan Thompson's going to talk about health management of high-risk calves. Brett Crosby out of uh, Montana, one of the developers of Beef Basis, a, a very excellent tool for people looking at the outcome of buy and sell relationships. And then we also have a panel discussion talking about beef parasite control with Ty Brunswick, my colleague Dr. A.J. Tarpoff, our extension beef veterinarian, and Dr. David Pugh from Southern Tracks Farm and Forage. So I think it's going to be a really good, well-rounded program. There'll be a little bit of anything for people for their interest. And it's not just K-State professionals presenting this year. Mr. Don Close from Raybo AgriFinance, he authored a paper about six months ago addressing the changing industry structure, forging a closer relationship between backgrounding yards and feeders. And he will bring some fresh perspective. And believe it or not, the backgrounding segment offers the greatest opportunity for young producers for entry into the beef industry. Having adequate knowledge of beef cattle care and, and health management practices can't afford a lot of young people an opportunity to to break into the beef industry and so we're very excited about his presentation in terms of shedding some light on and how it can fit into the future again hearing more on the 20th anniversary of the kansas state university beef stocker field day happening tomorrow and for more information on that you can visit ksre.k-state.edu i'm shaley peters and you're listening to the rural radio network When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney, this is why they have the interstate shut down, water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880 KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Time for us to take a look at our business and see what's going on in the stock markets, not only here but around the world in the overnights. Uh, not a great night in the overnights. The Japanese Nikkei down 40. The Hong Kong Hang Seng was down 36. The FTSE in London was down 6. German DAX index, which has been up recently, was the uh, one world stock that was uh, world market that was up here in the United States? Not much better. Stocks down across the board. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 56. Nasdaq is down 50, and the S&P is down nine. FedEx falling 13 percent today.
Bob Rogan's here to uh, fill us in on the rest. Stocks are a little bit lower at midday on Wall Street, ahead of the Federal Reserve's latest decision on interest rates. Investors are ex- are expecting a small cut to rates, and we'll be watching for any clues about what the Fed does next. Bank stocks are falling after the yield on the 10-year Treasury dropped to one and three quarters percent from 1.81 percent, and Bank of America fell one percent. And as Scott mentioned, FedEx dropped like a uh, proverbial rock today. Elsewhere, the pace of U.S. home construction jumped 12.3% last month to a 12-year high on a surge in apartment building. The Commerce Department saying housing starts came in at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $1.36 million, the most since June 2007. The International Energy Agency says oil markets remain well-supplied uh, well, well supplied, and it has not yet considered releasing emergency stocks of crude to offset the drop in output caused by the weekend attacks on Saudi oil ins- installations. Meanwhile, those talks, union and company bargainers are making progress toward a new contract as a strike by United, United Auto Workers brought 33 General Motors factories to a halt continued into its third day. UAW spokesman Brian Rothenberg says the talks are moving slowly but progressing. More than 49,000 workers left their jobs on Monday. And Facebook is slashing the price and size of the portal, its screen and camera equipped gadget for making video calls with friends and family. A smaller version will now cost a, will now cost $129 and will come with an 8-inch display. A larger version with a 10-inch display will cost $179. A new screenless portal device that attaches to a television set will be $149. All three will go on sale in October. And uh, that's the shape of things to come, and we'll be awaiting the Federal Reserve's decision. Well, I'm excited to see. I know that how you like to get all the new uh, tech things, Bob, so I'm excited to see how that works for you. Well, I'm s- they've, they've been talking about these new smartphones, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I need to take a look at those sometime. <laughs> um, I don't know. I... I'm, I'm kind of in love with uh, those flip phones. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, I think that's NASDAQ calling right now, saying they want their technology back, Bob. Okay. All, right, all right, we'll take a look at... Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, news headlines coming up here in just a couple minutes. You can make the classic burger at home or go to your favorite burger joint. The origin of the cheeseburger is unclear. There are stories dating back as far as the 1920s. Today is National Cheeseburger Day. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Borough Radio Network. It doesn't matter how you grill it up. Cheeseburgers are a popular one. Chef Gavin Pinto is with the Certified Angus Beef, and he talked to me about one very popular cheeseburger you can make tonight. Yeah, so the Juicy Lucy, as we call it, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of a famous burger nowadays. And the thing to remember on that one is that because it's going to be a little thicker, and you've got that cheese inside, you still want to cook that to a good temperature because it is touching raw meat. And so you want to make sure that you fully cook that burger with that little cheese pocket. But then you also have to be careful of the fact that that cheese is going to be like molten lava when you're ready to eat it. So you might want to give them a little extra time to rest coming off the grill. 
I usually pull them off onto a plate and let them sit for a few minutes before I even serve people because that cheese is going to be so hot coming directly off the grill that you want to give it a little bit of time to start to cool down before it's before somebody bites into it. So let's go back to some grilling techniques. What is the ideal temperature for a burger coming off the grill? So there's, you know, the school of thought is that the USDA recommends 160 degrees just to be safe. But what I like to do is I like to account for carryover cooking, just like with a steak. So I always pull it five degrees early because it's going to keep cooking once you pull it off that grill and carry over to that final temperature. Anything else that you want us to know about Cheeseburger Day on Wednesday and, and things that we can do to celebrate? You know, I think it's important to start with a really nice ground beef. So I always use certified Angus beef ground chuck because I like that particular grind. Uh, but an 80-20 blend is also really good. A lot of times it's using a couple of different cuts in there. So as long as you see that 80% lean, that's my favorite to use. Anything higher than that, as far as a lean ratio gets can dry out a little bit so I, I really like to shoot for that 80 20 blend or a ground chuck for my patties higher fat percentage really sets you up for a better success rate and a lot of people think fatty beef it's not what they want but the thing is you're giving yourself some room for error because a lot of that fat will render out so you're not it's not all going to be there at the end and you need that to kind of help keep it juicy throughout the cooking process so what about for those folks that like to, Chef, take a, a spatula on the grill and, and smash down the burger, thinking that they're helping the cooking process? Yeah, once if you're putting a patty directly on your grill, you want to leave it alone. When you're pushing down, you're pushing all those juices out, and you're kind of pushing it into the grill grates, and that can actually make it stick even more. What you really want to do is just have a high, high heat, let that burger sit there until it's ready to be flipped. and. It'll tell you because it'll release from the grill. If it's still stuck to the grill, it's not ready to be flipped. And if you start pressing it into the grill, then you're skewing your results there anyways. Some good advice. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, you know, having a nice instant read thermometer to help check for doneness is always really handy. And also, when I set up my grill, I like to have half to three quarters with a super hot sear area and then leave half to a quarter with either no coals or the uh, gas turned to low. That way, if I start getting flare-ups or the burgers are almost done but not quite fully cooked through, I can move them over that low direct heat zone, close the lid, and let them cook through so it's almost like an oven. So it's kind of the safety zone to help your burgers cook through evenly. That is Chef Gavin Pinto. I know what I'm having on this National Cheeseburger Day. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Or one. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as we take a look at our closing grains, another solid day for the wheat helping out the corn, but a little mixed for the soybeans. Yeah, I would say the wheat's short covering here. I mean, I wish I could come up with more news and information on why the market would rally. Maybe a little bit of the Fed decision, but if you go back to the middle part of August, this is right where December traded. So the delivery, which was, you know, the... the the point where the cash meets the futures really saw the dive, and we've essentially made up that move here. So that takes us right up to, to 410 KC, uh, right around 445 on the July contract. Those have been pretty good resistance levels, and then you look out in the, into the curve on corn, you're pushing right up against $4 July. $4 July gets taken out, then I look for May $4 to be the, the next resistance level. So if we can get through here, say tomorrow or the close on Friday above 375, maybe we see a nice little move up to, to, to 380, but I wouldn't be bullish here. Um, again, I'd like to think that 
you know, supply is, is worse than I assume, but I have to kind of go off what the USDA says. If they change it, I could change, I would change my opinion. But if they don't change anything, I think 380 here, which is, you know, right now is close to 371. We're, we're almost 30, almost a full 30 cents above where we were a year ago on this day. I think you've got to be careful. Don't get bullish as it moves up. Start to price in some physical if you, if you feel like you're going to have it and you need to move it in the next delivery period. If you're not moving it till March, I'll give you a reprieve. But if you're moving it off these delivery, you need to be a little proactive here. I think in not saying you're going to pick the high. We could easily go up to 380, 385 on weather problems or the USDA changing things. But if they don't change anything and we don't frost and the yields stay where they are, I, I have a hard time believing we're going to stay around 375 come Thanksgiving. And then we do talk about the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates once again. The dollar having a solid move here after the grain closed. Does this look to be uh, bearish for the open overnight? Yeah, well, it's hard to say. I, You know, the, the market is its almost like a, a baby. It wants more, you know. It wants more. It got its rate cut, and now it's going to look and say, hey, I want another one. So uh, the, the, hard, the hard thing about this is you're really trying to think ahead and, you know, uh, we're getting boxed in with different central banks as far as them rating cutting rates. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to change much. I don't think it's going to be bullish or bearish. Um, I think it maybe gives the, the the emerging markets currencies like the Brazilian real a little bit of room to strengthen, which would be helpful for for corn and soybeans. But you know, I just worry demand is going to is going to dissipate. I think the crude oil move we're seeing here. I mean, we're down five bucks from the Sunday night open. Ethanol is pulling off. You know, that's all staying somewhat strong, but I mean, over the longer run contracts, you're not seeing that appreciate at all. And I think you got to be a little careful here being long. Yeah, and John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Find out more at DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, DanielsAgMarketing.com. And that'll do it for our midday program here today on KRVN on this Wednesday. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, Go to podcasts at krvn.com. So, howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Divini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.